Hey folks, Andy Patton here, and what a start to the month of May for the Zags. At 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday afternoon, Efton Reed from LSU committed to Gonzaga. At 3 p.m. on Sunday, just one hour later, Dusty Stromer, a top 50 prospect in the class of 2023, he committed to Gonzaga shortly after that. It was announced that Texas Tech transfer Kevin McCuller has the Zags in his top two. We're going to touch on all of that super busy day, very special edition today of Mailbag Monday right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I just want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day, as well as those of you who have checked the show out on YouTube. All right, today is Mailbag Monday, and it is a jam-packed one. Just a reminder for those of you who want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, very simple to do so. You can reach out to me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore whenever you are thinking of a question. I also reach out on Twitter Sunday morning soliciting questions. If you respond to that tweet, you're guaranteed to get your response in the show. Finally, you can email me at andypatton 13 at gmail.com. That is a great way to ask multiple questions or to just chat with me throughout the week as well. All right, big, big, big day in Gonzaga land, a much needed day for the Zags. People were starting to get a little bit restless. They hadn't added any of those big time transfers, hadn't secured any recruits for them to do two of them. Get two of them locked in within an hour of each other on a Sunday was fantastic. We're going to start today off with the first question from Mike Miller, at MillerMike123 on Twitter, who says, I'm sure someone's already asked it and or you're already planning on it, but a quick preview of the skill sets for both Efton and Dusty would be great. Yes, happy to provide that here. Also, as you can probably expect, we're going to have a ton more conversations about these two gentlemen before they show up in a Gonzaga uniform. we got guests coming on the show this week to preview both of these two guys, but I will give you a quick rundown on who the two of them are for those of you who are just looking for a little tidbit of information. Efton Reed, top 25 recruit in the class of 2022, went to LSU, started all 34 games for Will Wade's team last year, was one of very few players to appear in every single game for the Tigers. Uh, he His numbers aren't going to pop off the screen if you've clicked on his college reference page to see what the, what the hype is about and see a guy who averaged less than seven points, less than four and a half rebounds per game. I can understand why that might seem a little underwhelming, particularly when he was being compared to guys like Johnny Broom, who went to Auburn, and Dawes Amak, who went to Texas Tech. But Reed is great. He's very, very good. He's an efficient low post scorer. He's got some some touching up to do in that area. He hasn't developed his outside shot yet, but there's a lot of belief that he will be adequate in that area. Was less than a 49% free throw shooter last year. So again, there's some work to do in that realm. He's a good rebounder. He moves extremely well on the defensive end of the floor. I think he has the capability of being like an all WCC defensive player of the year caliber guy uh, when all is said and done. Again, much more coming on Efton Reed in later episodes. Moving on to Dusty Stromer. Stromer was the a top 50 by most accounts prospect in the class of 2023. Some places had him into the 30s. Some places had him right around 50. Uh, he compared himself 
to Corey Kispert. That was kind of who he felt he modeled his game after. Uh, and the dude's an absolute bucket. Uh, you watch his high, high school highlights. He can score off the dribble. He can hit fadeaway threes. He can get to the rim. He's a six foot six, big bodied combo guard type guy. He does have a bit of that Corey Kispert build. Again, he's only 18, so he's going to fill out a little bit more as he gets older. But you could definitely see him kind of molding into that type of player for Gonzaga when he shows up on campus next season. Next question comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, Do you think that Reed can become the next great big man following Timmy, Chet, Clark, etc.? Yeah, etc. We can keep going down and down the list. Karnowski, Kyle Wilcher, Kelly O'Linick, J.P. Bautista, Roni Turiop. The list goes on and on and on. Gonzaga has had a litany of fantastic big men in their time. And yeah, I think Efton Reed could absolutely be the next player in that list. It kind of depends on what he hopes to get out of coming to Gonzaga. I think that there's... the. The Zags may be viewing him as somebody, he's not going to be here for one year and out the door. This isn't a a direct Chet Holmgren replacement. Nobody really expected that to be the case. And it's not even the case of of a guy like Amac or Broom, who would probably come here to boost their draft stock for one year. Reed is probably a multi-year player, and that does not mean he's not going to contribute right away next season. He will. There's a, he'll, he'll start if Drew Timmy doesn't come back. If Drew Timmy does come back, we'll see how that lineup shakes out. More on that in a minute. But ultimately, he, he has the tools to be elite defensively. I think if they can touch him up a little bit uh, offensively, just get some of that rawness out of, out of his game, things that this coaching staff have been extremely good at working with every big who has come through the program in recent years. So yes, I don't know that Efton Reed is going to be like a top 10 pick in the NBA draft down the line. I don't know if I'd go quite that far the, the way that Chet Holmgren was, the way that Rui Hachimura was, uh, the way that Kelly Olenek was a lottery pick, very close. But I think he's going to be a very, very good player in Gonzaga's system as soon as next season. But certainly if he sticks around for a few more years after that, he's going to develop into an absolute monster. Next question comes from John via Gmail. John says... Do you think Efton Reed takes the place of Timmy, or can he effectively play alongside Drew Timmy? Is his game too similar to Drew's to think that Timmy will come back? I know you have suggested that Timmy is more likely to stay in the draft and not return, but does Reed make the odds higher for you that Timmy will not return? I was hoping the transfer big man would have have been someone who could stretch the floor as Chet did, but Reed doesn't seem to have that in his game. What are your thoughts on Reed to Gonzaga? So I don't think that that's necessarily changed anything. I think that... Uh, had Johnny Broom, who again went to Auburn, or Dawes Amac, who went to Texas Tech, had either of those players committed to Gonzaga, I think that would have probably been curtains for Drew Timmy. Not that he would have chosen to leave because of that, but that those players choosing to come to Gonzaga would indicate that the staff doesn't feel like it's particularly likely that Drew Timmy is coming back. I guess that's the way I want to put it. With Reed, I think Reed could have been sold on this program and likely was sold on this program with the understanding that, hi, hey, Drew Timmy might come back. This could happen. And if he does, you're going to still play a lot of minutes. You're potentially going to play alongside him for huge chunks of the game, but you may not play 32 minutes per night like you would if Drew Timmy is not here. And I think that Gonzaga can sell their development program, the success of you know, all those aforementioned players, the Kelly Olynyk, the Kyle Wilchers, the the other players who have developed behind the scenes at Gonzaga and then exploded into superstars. Brandon Clark is another great example of that. So I think that Reed, like you weren't going to sell AMAC on that. He's already done his development. You probably weren't going to sell Johnny Broom on that. He doesn't need that. But you could sell Efton Reed on that. And I'm guessing that's what they sold him on, which is why I don't know that it necessarily 
has a strong impact on whether Drew Timmy is coming back or not. I think it could actually be a stronger indication that Drew Timmy is coming back and that Reed is putting himself in a position to not have a ton of pressure on him in his first season in a new uniform. As for how they would play well together, that's a great question, one that I think is going to require more attention and energy to look into some film and do some of that diving down, talk to people who have seen him play to get a better sense of that. I think the outside shooting, he took just under an attempt per game last year, shot only 25%. So he wasn't a particularly good outside shooter, but he was billed as somebody who could do that. Do I think he's going to be Chet Holmgren levels of efficiency next season? Not a chance. No. Do I think he's at least adequately capable of stretching the floor? Yes. To the point where I don't think that him and Drew Timmy can play 30 minutes together necessarily, but if Drew were to return, I think you could have some lineups with both those guys out there. I think they'd work well defensively. Offensively, I think it might be a bit tricky at first, but if Drew does decide to come back, they got a whole offseason to figure it out before the first game. All right, we got more listener-submitted questions coming your way in the second segment. We're talking about a few other transfers that Gonzaga is looking at, but before we get there, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. Summer is coming! And with the summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you guys tried the Built Puffs yet? We are going crazy for the puffs. They come in these Crazy flavors like banana cream pie, even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the mixed box. The mixed box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Most Bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at Built.com. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two, still Amy Patton, still locked on Zach, still talking about the exciting start to the month of May for Gonzaga basketball. I was worried Folks were starting to get a little bit antsy, and myself included, about the lack of action for Gonzaga's roster. It was very nice to see a few things change. And there was another thing that came onto the radar that might be a significant story for the Zags down the line, and that is what Dad Risk was asking about on Twitter. He says, so with Gonzaga being in the final two for Texas Tech transfer Kevin McCullar, a vet wing who undoubtedly expects to start, while also adding a big who theoretically could play with or sit behind Timmy without causing issues, is it a leap to say that the staff knows that Timmy is more likely to return than Strother? So I understand where this thought process is coming from. I do think that it is a leap, but I understand where the process is coming from. The reason that I think this is a leap is because I think that I don't think Gonzaga is going out recruiting players based solely on what they think these two guys are going to do. They're going out and trying to find the most talented dudes that they can. They went out and tried to go get Johnny Broom and Dawes Amac, knowing full well that those guys probably were not going to come to Gonzaga unless Drew Timmy was out the door. They had to go recruit those guys because 
Drew Timmy could have left. He could have put his name in the transfer portal. He could have declared and hired an agent that wasn't NCAA approved. All of that could have happened. Now, it didn't happen. And ultimately, those two players chose to not come to Gonzaga in part because of the uncertainty about the role that they may have. So the Zags are just trying to get talented dudes to come to Gonzaga. That's what they're trying to do. And Efton Reed is a talented dude. Yes, I think that there is some potential likelihood that Timmy is going to return, could return in theory. And, and Efton Reed is, as I kind of talked about in the first segment, not the kind of player who disrupts that plan necessarily. I don't think Strother's going anywhere either. And I don't think Gonzaga's interest in McCuller is necessarily an indication that they really think Strother's out the door. More of a, we want to get really talented players on our team. And right now, one of our talented players, Julian Strother, might not be coming back. So we need to be prepared in case he's not. If both, he, if he comes back and Julian Strother comes back, and Drew Timmy comes back, yeah, they're going to have a lot of dudes that they got to figure out what to do with, but that's not necessarily the worst problem to have. How exactly they'd put it all together, I'm not entirely sure whether that means Julian's playing a lot of minutes at the four, and they're playing McCuller alongside Hickman and Salas with Strother at the four. That means Efton Reed is in more of a reserve role. Again, that's maybe not necessarily the worst thing considering where he's at in his development. Uh, but I, I don't think that this necessarily is an indication that they know anything regarding Julian Strother. For the record, it, it could be. They may know something that I don't know about his... They likely do have some more information about that than I do. But I don't know that these decisions and this interest from McCuller necessarily has anything to do with, with where Julian Strother's at right now. Next question. This one comes from Adam via Gmail. He says, what do you think of Tyrese Hunter's fit in the program should he choose the Zags? With our more recent guards being a little taller, it worries me to have a six-footer. I hear he's a decent defender, but haven't watched him at all. Having three five-star guards would be interesting, along with Dominic Harris. Yeah, what a guard rotation that would be if the Zags could pull it out. Uh, Tyrese Hunter, not a guy we've talked about a ton on this show just yet. Transfer from Iowa State. We kind of mentioned him in the episode uh, where Rasir Bolton was leaving, that the Zags were also interested in Tyrese Hunter, which would be kind of a fun kind of Bolton declared for the draft, and then they bring Tyrese Hunter in. Bolton could still, in theory, return to Gonzaga, and there's no indication that Hunter is for sure coming to Gonzaga, but... This is a place that he's interested in, Hunter. I think the reason that I'm not concerned about his height is he's a he has already played at a pretty high level in college. He played in the Big 12, made 35 starts, played 32 minutes per game in the Big 12, and he averaged three and a half rebounds per game. Now, rebound numbers for guards are not necessarily super important or indicative of a whole lot, but I would think that if he's getting completely pushed around because of his size at this level— He's probably not putting up 11 points per game. He's probably not grabbing three and a half rebounds, grabbing, putting up four, or excuse me, five assists per game. He's, he probably can't do that in a pretty physical league like the Big 12 unless he can hang a little bit. So his size doesn't really concern me. Uh, lineups would be pretty interesting if Tyrese Hunter were to commit to Gonzaga. I think him and Nolan Hickman would compete strongly with each other to start. I think ultimately... I don't know that you'd start both those guys, so I think there's a pretty reasonable chance that, let's say, Tyrese Hunter starts, uh, and then Nolan Hickman would come off the bench. That may not be something that he's particularly keen about, uh, but I think that that is possible if Tyrese Hunter were to come to Gonzaga. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We have no idea where Hunter is at. I think Kansas has got a really strong hold on him right now, uh, so there's not necessarily a, a, a very realistic chance that he comes to Gonzaga, but it is possible. Next question comes from Sentiat TK on Twitter, sticking with the Tyrese Hunter talk. He says, what is the best case scenario lineup in your opinion? Let's say we have Strother, Timmy, Reed, and Tyrese Hunter available for the lineup. That 
is a fantastic scenario. If the Zags, now obviously they already landed Reed. If they got Strother and Timmy back and picked up a high-level guard like Tyrese Hunter, that would be ridiculous. If that were to happen, here's what I think the lineup would probably look like. Tyrese Hunter starts at the one. Hunter Salas is your two. Julian Strother plays the three. Drew Timmy plays the four. And Efton Reed plays the five. That is my guess. That would have Nolan Hickman, Dominic Harris, and Anton Watson would fill out your eight-man rotation. And then either Ben Gregg and Caden Perry are kind of your ninth man, uh, your your fourth string back, your, your fourth string big, potentially. Uh, Braden Huff could be in that conversation as well if he outperforms those guys as a true freshman. I think there's also a realistic chance that Timmy starts at the five, Strother starts at the four, and you start Tyrese Hunter and Nolan Hickman together with Hunter Salas playing the three. Uh, that basically comes down to whether you want to start two point guards or two bigs. I'm not sure exactly what Gonzaga would do. Uh, it's likely, I think, that they would probably start the two bigs and have Julian play more of a traditional three role. Uh, but they, got, they would have some options. They'd have a lot of options in this situation. I don't think that the situation is particularly realistic, but we're talking best case scenarios here. So, yeah, why not? Why not hash it out that way? Final question of the segment comes from Dad Risk on Twitter. He says, over under 1.5 of Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, and Dominic Harris on the team in the 2023-2024 season. So we're not talking next year. We're talking the year after next. How many of those guys are back? This is a fascinating question, and there are a ton of factors. Obviously, Gonzaga's recruiting and transfer portal you know, what happens between now and then is significant. If Rasir Bolton chooses to come back or if the Zags add Tyrese Hunter uh, or another prominent guard like Kevin McCullough or somebody like that, then one of Hickman or Salas is probably not playing all that much, which likely, which means they're more likely to return. But if they're not playing all that much, it means Dominic Harris is potentially not playing all that much. One of those three players may opt to transfer. So it's, it's a little bit tricky. My guess is over. I think there's, a, I think two of these guys are on Gonzaga's roster, not this upcoming season, but the season after that. I think one of them probably goes pro. I, I've, I've maintained on this podcast, I think Hunter Salas has a very reasonable chance of exploding as a sophomore to the point where he is a first round pick, potential lottery pick next year. I think that's possible for Nolan Hickman as well, for the record. But if the Zags add any more guards to their kind of rotation, I'm just not sure that it will make a lot of sense. Dominic Harris is going to have a role next year. He's going to have a decent-sized role. If his role is not as big as he wants, you could understand why he may look to transfer somewhere else. There's no, I have no intel on that necessarily, just postulating that that is the kind of thing that could happen. Uh, of course, Dom could also pop next season as well and potentially either enter the NBA draft or look to go somewhere else in that situation. All right, two segments down. We're going to come back in the third segment, and we're going to answer even more listener-submitted questions. Before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a championship victory secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's final week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. 
Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still answering listener-submitted questions for Mail Bag Monday. This first question of the final segment comes from Mike Curtis at Upper95215 on Twitter. He says, can you remind me of some of the big non-conference games coming up this year? I sure as heck can, Mike. Here is what they have on the calendar so far. They are playing at Texas on November 16th. That is the only game that is officially scheduled with a date and everything. Of course, another big one. They got that home and home with Texas where they played them last year. Drew Timmy had 37 in one of Chris Beard's first games. As the coach of the Longhorns now, they're returning the favor. Going to play them down there in Texas. Going to be a fun one there. They're going to play Kansas in Kansas at some point next season. Probably in December would be my guess. That game has not been scheduled yet. Same with Alabama. They're going to play Alabama in Alabama, just like they hosted Alabama this year at the Battle in Seattle at the New Climate Pledge Arena. So they're going to play Alabama down in Alabama at some point. And then the last big thing that is on the calendar, I'm not counting their uh, home and home with Washington, although that is a game that they are expected to play next year. Uh, but they're also playing in the Phil Knight Invitational, Phil Knight's 85th birthday, the 2022 PK Invitational. If you remember, they had this event in 2017. It was phenomenally fun, although it did not fall the Zags way uh, at the end of that tournament. This year, they're going to be in the legacy bracket, the teams in that bracket. Duke, Florida, Oregon State, Portland State, Purdue, West Virginia, and Xavier. They'll play a handful of those teams as well. So I think it's very reasonable to expect to see them play Texas, Kansas, Alabama, and some combination of Florida, Purdue, Duke, maybe West Virginia or Xavier in there as well. Uh, so going to be a, a very loaded non-conference schedule. Again, it's not done. they got some other pieces to fill in there as well. But yeah, the Zags keep on keep on getting high-profile dudes to come to their program like they did today on Sunday, and they keep finding ways to play some of the best teams that they can in the non-conference slate. Next question comes from John via Gmail. John says, if you had a vote with the NCAA or were a fully engaged Mark Emmert, what changes, if any, would you make to the NIL process to help ensure this program does not spiral out of control? Honestly, the biggest thing is they just need to define it. <laughs> it's It's embarrassing to borderline criminal, in my opinion, that the NCAA had years to, they, they knew this was coming. They knew that this was coming and they had so much time to potentially clearly define what NIL means. NIL stands for name image likeness. These student athletes based on the NIL rules should be getting paid for those things specifically, their name, their image, their likeness, not their performance on the basketball court. What Isaiah Wong did, what Nigel Pack did when he got that two-year, $400,000 contract to go to the University of Miami, why Isaiah Wong threatened to leave because he wanted his pay to be upped. He was not wanting his pay to be upped because of his image. He wanted his pay to be upped because of his performance on the basketball court. For the record, I do not blame him one single bit at all for looking at them giving $400,000 to Nigel Pack and thinking, I'm a better basketball player than him. I should get paid more. That is an understandable way to think. That is capitalism at its purest form. I'm better than that person. You should pay me more. That is why it exists. But it is not what NIL is. And the NCAA just didn't do anything to prevent all of us from saying NIL is the problem. No, it is not. That is pay for play. 
what you are describing when Isaiah Wong says, I want to get paid more because of how I performed on the floor. That is pay for play. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Student-athletes getting paid for their performance is, again, in a capitalist society, how it should be done. But the NCAA is kind of allowing this NIL to function that way and just not doing anything at all. I think clearly defining what it is, saying this is how student-athletes can get paid, these blanket programs that say every student athlete at this school gets this small amount of a contract, that's not NIL. That doesn't really fall under what that blanket should be. So they should have done that a long time ago. At this point, it's pretty difficult to try to parse through that and figure it out. I'm, I think it's too late. I think they missed the boat on actually defining what this, you know, huge organization altering program is going to look like. Uh, a few other things you can't use dollar amounts to discuss. Uh, while student-athletes are in the transfer portal. I think that's already a rule, but enforcing it would be nice. Uh, obviously, the Nigel Pack announcement is pretty in, pretty clear that he knew exactly how much money he was going to make before that agreement uh, came out publicly. That is the kind of thing that I don't think should happen. I don't think people should be able to call up a recruit and say, this company is going to give you this amount of money to come to this school. That's not how it should function. Again, making a rule that says, hey, you can't do this is one thing, but you need to actually enforce it. And it's, I'm not saying that that's easy. It's very difficult, very, very, very difficult to enforce that. But having a rule in place would at least be a start. <laughs> we can at least do that and say, hey, if we know that you were offering this player a specific amount of money while they were in the transfer portal, trying to entice them to come to this school, you will be faced with a you know, scholarship ban, you will lose recruiting ability in this month, whatever the punishment may be. But to actually have some kind of rule in place, I think, is the biggest thing. I want student-athletes to get compensated. I think it's a free market. They should be able to get compensated. But they need to find ways to prevent every mid-major player from getting poached immediately. They need to find ways to not allow these student-athletes to know exactly how much money it's going to be. Like, there's a lot of things that I think need to be figured out in order for this to to, to be the, the pinnacle of what it is capable of being, which we knew it wouldn't get there in year one, but it has been a mess so far. Two more questions for today. This one comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter. He says, all right, so I don't know how close you follow the NFL, but the draft just happened. Yes, I was following the NFL draft. He says, I am very curious to hear who you would have starting for a Zags football team using players from the basketball teams. So I didn't do full 22. That would have been a lot of work. Uh, we could have even gone into the special teams, but I'm not going to pretend to know which former Gonzaga basketball players were good kickers or punters. So I'm going to give you six players who I would put on a football team and the positions they would play. Number one, very, very, very obvious, Jalen Suggs is going to be my quarterback because he was a high school quarterback, as you have all probably heard hundreds of times at this point after watching every game during the 2021 season. But yeah, Jalen Suggs is my quarterback. We're going to start there. Chet Holmgren is going to be one of my wide receivers. He's got good hands. Uh, he's got incredible length. Could you imagine a wide receiver who was seven feet tall with a seven foot six wingspan and a quarterback with remote accuracy like Jalen Suggs has? You just put the ball up in the air. Yeah, Homer's not the fastest dude in the world, but I think that that's going to work just fine. Other receiver on the other side is Brandon Clark for more or less the same reasons. Clark is obviously not as tall as Chet Holmgren and his reach is famously not long enough. That's why a lot of teams passed on him in the NBA draft, which boy howdy was that a mistake based on how he's playing for Memphis in these NBA playoffs. But Clark, again, he's got tremendous athleticism, very, very athletic. Jumping, he's got good jumping ability. I think he'd be a great wide receiver on the edge. 
Corey Kispert's my tight end. He's 6'7". He's built like a tight end already. He's not quite as beefy as most tight ends, but he's a big dude, big athlete. Seems like he's got good hands, uh, familiarity with football. I think he'd be he'd be a really nice piece there. And then my running back is going to be Jeremy Pargo. Pargo is a freak athlete, tremendously fast, tremendously sharp, can cut quickly. You can see his crossover dribble. Uh, imagine him being able to cut like that without having to actually dribble. He would be a really difficult player to tackle, and he's very, very strong for a guy his size. He's built like an NFL running back already. I think he'd be a menace there. And then finally, the last one, you got to do it. you got to pick him. That's Dimitri Goodson, Meech. Meech is the only defensive player I'm picking because he was quite literally an NFL cornerback for a couple of years. Uh, he, of course, transferred away from Gonzaga, went to Baylor, played cornerback for Baylor and played in a bowl game and then got drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the sixth round, played a little bit for the Packers over the next couple of seasons, mostly as a special teamer, but he did play on defense some and currently still works for the team as a scout. Shout out to Meech for that. All right, final question of the show from Joshua Schwader at SchwaderZag62. On Twitter, he says, let's get your thoughts on the baseball team's chances to get a regional host. You think we got to win out? I absolutely believe this team can do literally anything, so let's hear it. Yeah, getting William Kempner back and healthy is huge. Kempner pitched for the Zags on Sunday, a few hours before I recorded this podcast. Him and Owen Wilde kind of piggybacked off of each other, which is, if the Zags are going to continue to do that, that is massive. Those two guys are really, really good, and having them be who teams have to face on Sunday when they're already a little bit tired, when they've already played two games in the last two days. And in theory, you face the best pitching on Friday and Saturday, which for the for the opposing teams is the case because Gabriel Hughes is one of the best pitchers in all of college baseball. He throws for the Zags on Fridays. Tristan Vreeling is incredible. He throws for the Zags on Saturdays. He's not a whole lot worse than Hughes. Uh, and then Sunday is when you're like, okay, it's going to be a little bit of a break. Uh, and then you've got Owen Wilde and William Kempner combining for seven or eight innings. Like, that's just ludicrous. Uh, but the Zags need the bats to wake up. The, it seems like there's at least one game per week where the Zags bats just are not there and they lose. Uh, do I think that they're going to win the final eight games of the season? I wish I had your optimism, Josh. I'm not quite there with that. They got a game against UW. They got a game against Oregon. They got three against Santa Clara, three at San Diego. That's not a particularly easy schedule to end the season. I think in order for them to host a regional, and I'm not as well-versed on what exactly it takes to host a regional, how that process works, uh, I think the Zags probably need to go 6-2 and two at the very least. Uh, I would probably feel a lot better if they went 7-1. and one. It kind of depends how those games go. If they beat Washington and Oregon, but they drop the final two games to San Diego and lose that series, that's probably going to hurt them. If somehow they sweep San Diego, beat Washington and Oregon, but they lose two to Santa Clara, who's not the strongest team in the conference, that's going to kind of weaken them a little bit too. I think 7-1 and one with like a Tuesday loss to a good Oregon team, if that's what they do, if they sweep San Diego and they win all the rest of their games... Yeah, I think they're going to be hosting a regional. I'm excited to see how it plays out. They got Washington on Monday evening. So as you're listening to this podcast, they're probably gearing up for that game as we're talking right now. So very excited to see how the rest of this baseball season goes for this team. Uh, more on them. And I probably Friday's episode this week. I think we're going to push things back to Friday, but excited to kind of recap how the rest of this week goes for the Gonzaga baseball team as they prep for potentially hosting a regional. 
All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got guests galore this week as we continue to unpack the addition of Efton Reed and Dusty Stromer for this team. So you don't want to miss any episodes this week. Guests galore, a lot of fun analysis on Gonzaga's two newest players right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. With the college basketball season wrapping wrapped up, excuse me, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!